Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, Book 3, Chapter 30, on begging God's help and being confident of recovering his grace. Christ the Beloved speaks, My son, I am the Lord, no strength like his in the hour of distress. When things go wrong and when things are not going well with you, come to me. The chief hindrance to your receiving heavenly comfort is your slowness in turning to prayer. You do not come to me straightway and pray to me earnestly, but first you go seeking other things to comfort you, trying to find diversion in created things. All these things, as it happens, do little to help you. It is then that you remember that I am the deliverer of all who put their hope in me, that apart from me, There is no help that can do much, no counsel that can be taken with profit, no remedy whose effects can last. But now, when the storm is over and you can breathe freely again, recruit your strength in the light of my mercies, for I am near, I am the Lord, to restore all things not only to their former perfection, but to pile them high and make them overflow with added graces. How should any task be too difficult for me? The Lord says. Shall I be like a man who promises something and then fails to do it? Where is your faith? Stand firm and hold your ground. Be a man of courage and wait in patience. My comfort will come to you in its own good time. Watch out for me. Yes, watch. I will come and look after you. The trouble that now distresses you is my way of testing you. The fears which fill you with terror have no foundation. What use is it to worry about what the future will bring? It will only make you have sorrow upon sorrow for today. Today's troubles are enough. It is silly and useless to get worried or pleasantly excited about future events. Quite likely, they will never happen at all. Yet it is part of man's makeup to be deceived by picturing things to himself in this way. It is a sign of small spiritual stature when you take to heart so readily whatever your enemy, the devil, slips into your mind. He is not particular in his choice of tricks to catch you out. Truth or falsehood, it's all one to him. So long as he can bring you down, he doesn't mind how he trips you. It may be by making you love the present, or it may be by making you fear the future. So do not let your heart be distressed or play the coward. Trust in me and have confidence in my mercy. Often when you feel you are far away from me, I am nearer than you think. When you reckon everything is all but lost, a greater reward for your striving is often just ahead of you. 
Everything is not lost just because things are going against you. So don't let your present feelings affect your judgment. And don't cling obstinately to any mood of depression. Whatever its origin, letting it settle as though you had lost all hope of ever coming out of it. Don't imagine you have been completely abandoned. If I send some trial to afflict you for a while, or if I withdraw from you the comfort you had hoped for, this is the road by which you reach the kingdom of heaven. You may be sure that it is better for you and the rest of my servants to be harassed with things that go against the grain than always to have everything to your liking. I know the thoughts you keep hidden. It is very necessary for your salvation for you to be left now and then without any taste of spiritual sweetness. Otherwise, you might start getting conceited ideas about your good progress in the ways of the Spirit and be highly pleased with yourself for reaching a state which is not yet yours. What I have given, I can take away and restore again when it pleases me to do so. When I have given you something, it is still mine. When I take it back, I am not taking anything of yours. Because every good gift, every perfect gift, belongs to me. If I send you some affliction or trouble, do not be indignant about it or let it break your heart. I can quickly relieve you of your burden and turn it all into joy. Nevertheless, I am just. And when I so deal with you, you ought to give me all the praise that is my due. If you are truly wise and see things as they really are, you must never allow troubles to make you unhappy and depressed. No, you should be glad and thank me for them. Indeed, you ought to account it your sole joy that by afflicting you with sorrows, I do not spare you. I have bestowed my love upon you just as my father has bestowed his love upon me. That is what I said to my beloved disciples. And you know what I sent them out to do. Not to have worldly pleasures, but to fight great battles, not to be honored, but to be despised. Not to have an easy time, but to work hard not to rest, but to bring forth much fruit in patience. Remember these words of mine, my son. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. St. Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, mirror of the divine life, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord sends us out to do great battles. Great battles against who? 
against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Our enemies, St. Paul says, are not flesh and blood, but the principalities and powers, the world rulers of this present darkness. We have to lift up our eyes, not only to Christ, but to the grandeur of the battle that's before us, the battle against our self-love, our bad self-love, our egoism, our selfishness, our tendency to sin. This is our battle. And our battle is against the devil who's trying, as this chapter shows, to get us off track in any way he can. The devil will use, even use truth. Tell us things that are true to puff us up. Anything to distract us, anything to get us off our course. And then the world, all the maxims, all the advice, all the wisdom of the world all the things we're always trying to have to work through. It's kind of in the climate of opinion that's around us. The things that we're told from when we're little children will make us happy, which won't. The images that women have put before them, always telling them how they're supposed to look if they want to be happy. The things that men are told make a true man that aren't really true or are false in the sense that they're half-truths. All of this stuff, all of this stuff, this is our enemy. And then there are the enemies to the spreading of the gospel. All the things that would get in our way of helping people find Christ. Our own lack of courage, the temptations the world puts before us, the demonic trickeries, all of this the falsehood that's all around us, the battle for truth, all this is our work too, in our own place, in our own time. But the Lord knows that we are so easily puffed up. And so what does he do? He lets us go dry. Instead of feeling spiritual sweetness, we feel nothing. We seem to have no taste for the things of God at times. Does that mean we're not close to God? Does that mean we're not making progress? No. This is God's way of keeping us from pride. We like to imagine that we're doing it all ourselves. We like to imagine that our spiritual state and our victories over sin are all our own. And so to allow us not to fall into that worst trap. In order to keep us from being too pleased with ourselves. For thinking that we're holier than we are, the Lord lets us taste dryness, bitterness, no satisfaction in things, trials. In other words, he withdraws comforts. But this is actually better for us. This is actually a sign in the words of Father Jonathan Robinson, who, who died on June 3rd, two years ago. He said, God takes an interest in us. God is taking an interest in you when these trials come about. And as the imitation says tonight, often when you feel you are far away from me, I am nearer than you think. And so again, the words of Father Robinson, don't be a spiritual navel gazer. 
Your navel's in the middle of your stomach. In other words, don't walk around. You shouldn't walk around physically with your head down, looking at your belly button constantly, watching yourself. You're going to get in a lot of trouble. You're going to bump into things. In the same way in the spiritual life, don't go around staring at yourself, always trying to be the judge of yourself, always trying to figure out how you're praying, what it all means, why I feel bad now, why I feel great earlier. And definitely don't think we can make a judgment of ourselves, judging our prayer, judging our spiritual states. Why can't we? Because our present feelings are very unreliable. And the mood of depression we sometimes feel in is not an indicator of how close God is to us. His nearness, his love for us does not depend on how we feel about it. If he gives the feelings, great. But as Newman says, he may make my spirit sink. He may take my friends away from me. He may cast me among strangers. Still, he knows what he's about. The Lord knows what he's about. He knows what he's doing with us. He knows what he can do in our hearts. He knows what we need when we need it. And so our goal, our mission, is to keep saying to him, thy will be done. Thy will be done. In order to say that, we have to be very patient. We have to beg the Lord to give us patience so that these sadnesses that we're passing through, these sadnesses that we're not experiencing all the sweetnesses we want, the prayer we think we want, all of this sadness has to be borne patiently so the Lord can do what he is doing so that he can shape us into the statue that he wants to shape us into, like we're a piece of marble. Or he can make this canvas that is our life into something beautiful. God is doing something beautiful. Let's make sure we don't mess up God's work, Mother Teresa used to say. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.